Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. I'm David Kosh. Great to have your company. Just gone midday Eastern Standard Time. Time for the call. 10 stocks suggested by you. Two experts. 60 minutes to give you a bit of direction on each of them. And uh, always great to have uh, today's team aboard on the call. Adam Dawes from Shoreham Partners. Adam, good to see you. Yep, Busy you. week? Absolutely. Been absolutely flat out this week, but it's been good. Okay, excellent. Yep. I like weeks when you're flat out yeah. and it's been good. When it's flat out and you've got nothing <laughs> achieved, that's always worrying to I me. agree. Absolutely. I agree. And our favourite Queenslander, Andrew Whelan from uh, Dornbush Partners in Toowoomba. Andrew, good to see you as well. Thanks, Koshy. Favourite Queenslander. That's, uh, that's a lot to live up to. So no, yeah. no pressure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. There are... There aren't many Queenslanders in that list, so you're a pretty easy choice. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. It's going to be a long hour, isn't it? Uh, Yep, exactly right. Always is. Um, We will get to your 10 stocks in a tick, but I always choose one for our stock of the day. And of course, uh, we've got to talk about this. We we mentioned it on the call last week, but uh, over the last couple of days, Qantas has had some really big announcements. Our flagship carrier has uh, completed its... $1.36 $1.36 billion underwritten placement issues uh, over 372 new million new shares to investors. The airline seeking to bolster its balance sheet as the coronavirus pandemic continues to cripple travel around the globe. Comes after the airline yesterday unveiled about 6,000 jobs across the entire business will be cut. Roughly 100 aircraft grounded for the next 12 months, basically all its big aircraft. Uh, what will the future look like for the great Australian brand? And uh, when it comes back on the stream, what do you think of a uh, highly diluted Queensland st- uh, Qantas stock? Mm. Uh, Adam, um, have you been putting clients into, uh, well, into the issue? We, we did some of the raise yesterday, took, right. uh, took the raise. Um, we actually had a really good take up on the raise. Right. It finished at 419, it's obviously trading today, but it finished at 419, the issue price at 365. So it was yep. quite a good discount, 15, 16% discount to the overall yep. share price. So that was that was quite good. However, it did come on today, opened at $4. It's currently sitting, uh, I think, around sort of 360, $370 or something like that. So yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit of a tough one. Look, do I think Qantas is, is going to survive? Yes, it will. They raised a lot of money there and they've got a $500 million SPP as well for shareholders. Yep. So uh, yeah, share price there, 389 So. I think it will see some weakness until it touches around that 365 level. That generally, right. that's what happens with placements. They usually focus down down to that sort of placement price. And then potentially we should go higher. But even today with Virgin's announcement, it's not really good for Qantas because right. private equity are going to strip Virgin to the bone. They're going to discount everything. And then Qantas is going to have to follow with those discounts, which okay. is going to make it harder for their business as well. So. Look, it's a, it's a space I really don't like and yep. I'm really not interested in sort of getting clients into that area, but I think it's a good trade 
for those people that take up the SPP and the Right, so if you're an existing Grodit shareholder, take up the share purchase plan? I think you would. I think you would. And with the share purchase plan, always for retail clients, we always wait till the 11th hour, seeing what the share price is and where it's at, and then you can make your decision. But certainly selling some stock here and taking some back up at 365 isn't a bad strategy, and that's what we're seeing today. A lot of people shorting the stock because they know that they've got the underlying stock coming through in the placement. Okay. Andrew? Yeah, look, I think that's really smart what Adam just said, uh, relating to that sort of if you're an existing shareholder and you're planning to take some up, but you don't potentially want more of them, if that makes sense, uh, Mm. selling into this current strength. I think that's really smart. Um, I I guess, I mean, I'm with Adam. I don't like airlines in general. You know, we spoke last time about Rex and I was pretty cool on Rex as well. I mean, Qantas is not Rex. Uh, Qantas is Qantas. It's a Queensland Mm. company. Um, But (laughs) I guess the... um, Sorry, I had to get that in there early. Yeah, but I know, if you I also, know. We were expecting also it. Look, yeah, if it's not, people playing at home on their bingo cards, if it's not said at least three times, you know, they're going to be really disappointed. <laughs> it's interesting, though, like that capital raising, um, it's only two months ago that they came out and said, look, everything's fine. We've mm. raised a whole heap of debt. And then here we are two months later, and mm. all of a sudden we need $1.9 billion. So, yeah, I mean, if anyone's going to do it, it's Alan Joyce. You know, he certainly is the turnaround expert. He's done it once before. Mm. My uh, my money would be on him. But, uh, yeah, would I be putting new clients into Qantas? I would not. Uh, certainly things like no international travel to at least July next year is a, a big flag for me. We're seeing all the other travel stocks getting belted at the moment, that uh, travel recovery trade that Henry Jennings at Marcus Today talks about, that's uh, not happening at all. So certainly Qantas for new clients, no, but if you're an existing one, Adam's idea is a good one. Okay. Um, what does it say, Andrew, for the rest of the travel sector? We just had the, the top five stocks there, your flight setters, your webjects, your Hello World travel. Um, the outlook for Qantas, does that have a ripple effect? Obviously, in the short term, the last couple of days, it has had to the rest of the travel sector. Is that likely to continue or, oh. or is that is it this pullback in the travel sector a good time to, to top up, you know, any quality holdings? Oh, if you like living life on the edge, perhaps. Um, but uh, from 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 my perspective uh, and look, I mean, I'm, I'm the boring guy here, um, you know, like we can't travel anywhere. I've got a, a guy that I work with whose father's in palliative care in New Zealand and he had to get permission from the Australian government to visit his father. I mean, these are not usual times. Uh, And to be loading into travel companies at a time where people can't travel unless you get approval from the federal government, um, you are, it is a huge leap of faith. And frankly, it's something I'm not prepared to put my clients into at at this stage. So uh, only for the brave. All right, let's get into our first stock. Tricia suggested this. Uh, we've got to be a bit careful here, Adam, because uh, yes. this is an IPO, Manuka Resources. Happy for you to suggest it, Trish, um, but understand the responsibilities of, the, of any sort of opinions on this, on yeah. IPOs. You've really got to get your own individual mm. uh, advice on this. It's really important, isn't it? Yeah, so the indicative timetable of the IPO and the prospectus, and I'm not close to this company at all, so I'm yeah. not going to give any view either way if it's a buyer, a hold, or a sell. But it did. It's basically a gold and silver producer. Gold and silver producer, that's yep. exactly right. And yep. a small raise of $5 million. So, yep. again, you've got to be a little bit careful. And I'm not an expert in this area. So, the closing date of it was the 23rd of June. So, yep. potentially it's all wrapped up. Yeah. 
but I, um, I'm not too sure. They've got a couple of projects, a silver project and a gold project. Uh, they're you going to use that funding to do some more drilling through the gold project. So um, that's, that's interesting and pay out its outstanding interest on a convertible note. Again, a little bit uh, nervous on that one because they're basically allowing people to, the convertible note holders to get out and using shareholders funds to do that. Pay them out. So I'd be a little bit cautious. And then for working capital purposes as well. So I don't know how much they spend, what their sort of run rate is and things like that. So I'll leave it at that. Yep, sure. I think. Uh, Understand, Um, Andrew? uh, Yeah, while we were connecting you back, I said we've got to be really careful with, with IPOs in this regard. We can only give information, not really an opinion. You've got to get your own individual advice of it. Sure, and you would have read the uh, the PDS and all that sort of stuff before yep. you started anyway. So, um, so now that we've disclaimed everything and the lawyers are happy, uh, I, um, I guess probably the other thing, to, just following on from Adam's point, is that there was around uh, only $800,000 worth of monies left after paying out those convertible note holders for working capital. So to Adam's point, you know, what's that run rate? So that's certainly something you need to be pretty cautious of. On the flip side, though, you know, they've got that processing plant, which initially cost $120 million. So there's certainly some things that you need to be mindful of. Looking at the um, IPO presentation deck that you can find on the ASX, uh, pages 32 to 34 outline 11 investment risks. So uh, certainly something that you just need to be mindful of, in particular when you're playing with these sort of little gold and silver ones. Yeah, yeah, and not much of a raise. All right. Okay, thank you for that, Trish. Our next suggestion is from uh, Peter Andrew. It's uh, Aurora. This is a um, basically a packaging business, isn't it? Mm. Um, uh, design, develop, produce uh, packaging in that sort of sector. Yeah, it got spun out of Amcor back in yeah. uh, 2013. So, uh, and they recently sold off that fibre australation business. Uh, from memory, they've got about 1.5 billion in the door. Yep. They're uh, paying out about 600 million to shareholders. It works out to be a special divvy and a capital return of around 50 cents per share. Mm. So that's certainly, I think, um, shareholders will you know be happy about that. Uh, also going to be a share consolidation. So if you own five, you'll soon have four, which reflects that uh, capital return. Trading pretty close to uh, consensus, the share price, uh, sorry, the share chart itself looks pretty ordinary. And probably the key thing for me is it will remain under pressure if consumption falls, because a big part of their business is sort of that Australian beverages business. And yep. like we've seen with Coca-Cola Amatil uh, recently, you know, talking about mm. the effects of the pandemic on their business. So nice to get the capital return special dividend all that sort of stuff but yeah i'd just be cautious on this one right Adam? yeah i played it for clients for that capital return because it was a cracker of a one so uh, we, we, we've done that now we're sort of starting to move away from it i think the, the the biggest thing is obviously the australian side of the beverage demand they need to be really cautious of but it's also that north american demand as well and especially in some some of the sectors uh one of the sectors is texas uh, they've around about 15 to 20% of its sales come from Texas and California is about 40% of their sales. So we've got wow. to be also really careful about some of the hot spots that we're talking yep. about with COVID yeah. and those kinds of yeah. things. And that could directly affect uh, this business as well. Because they're, they're the two states that have had big upgrades in cases over the last yeah. week. As yeah, Texas right. has almost come through a second wave. Yeah, yeah. so we need to, I, I think the focus is going to be on that going forward and how they're yeah. going to get that recovery going forward. 
but I really like the business and I like Amcor as a business because it is very defensive. So it's packaging, it's uh, wheat bix packets, it's it's Panadol packaging, it's you know it's it's things that people use on a day to day basis. And in fact, every one of us would have touched one of their products today, whether it's the wheat bix packet or a, yeah. a a coffee cup or a Nestle pod or something like that. They yeah. do water bottles, they do a lot of that stuff. So yeah. it is a very good business, and a lot of R and D goes into these businesses that you don't really see in the back end of it as well. So I like the business, I like Amcor, I like Aurora. Uh, I played for that share consolidation and that return of capital. And now, now that's finished. Bit, now that's finished, I'm a little bit more cautious on them and we're starting to unwind some of those positions. Okay, all right. Okay, there you go, Peter. A, a really good description there of Aurora. Um, our third stock, Adam, is Hanson Technologies. Now they're yeah. a, a billing data management customer care if when your energy bill comes through, electricity bill or Foxtel bill or whatever, that's generated basically mm. by Hanson Technologies. Yeah. A, those companies outsource their billing system to customers uh, to Hanson Technologies. It's funny this one. We've had a couple of queries on this yeah. one over the over the last coming couple of weeks. So it seems like it's quite in focus for investors. It is a quite a good defensive business. And in fact, they came out to the market a couple of weeks ago now and turned around and said, we're not seeing any issues with our ongoing revenue and we're able to upgrade a little bit of our forecast as well. Yeah. So you've got to keep an eye on that for clients um, that basically any company that is still coming out and saying, look, we, we're re- reiterating guidance, I'm really comfortable with yeah. because it's the ones that aren't reiterating guidance or the ones that have gone quiet yeah. and we're going to find out everything when we go mid-July, August, when yeah. reporting season happens. And that's going to be a volatile time for the yeah. market. Looks like the market's selling it off a little bit, obviously, up today, but still, I like it around that $3 level. It's got some good support. So okay. I'm, I'm a buyer right. of this okay. one. And I suppose level. with the, you know, everyone goes defensive stocks, defensive stocks, and in booming markets, no one gives a toss and goes, Correct. oh, yeah, it's a defensive stock. When you need a defensive stock, yes. this is the real test, isn't it? Absolutely. For whether they are actually delivering, and yes. a company like this, always a defensive stock, comes out and says, okay, not feeling any impact. Yeah. It sort of makes you feel a bit comfortable with it. Yeah, that, absolutely. Right? And you know, you need to have that right asset mix in your portfolio of some defensive, yeah. some income or yeah. and then some Depending growth. Depending on as your well. risk profile. Correct. Or, yep. So this is handsome one sits nicely for clients for me in that sort of defensive side or, then, or uh, a little bit more uh, safer. Yeah, and they're delivering that. on it. Yes. Andrew? Yeah, look I, I agree with all of the above. I guess you know, probably we just need to point out that Andrew Hansen owns 17% of the company. And as we've discussed previously, you know, when someone owns over 10%, that's a blocking stake. So there may not be that corporate appeal, you know, someone wanting to come and take them over or uh, buy extra stock. But you always uh, tell us that's good that he's got skin in the game. Oh, you, you want a bit of skin in the game, but you don't want <laughs> not too that much skin in the game. Right, it's a, okay. it's a fine line, Koshi. It's a fine yep. line. Yep. Good to see you paying attention, though. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, from that point of view, that's probably more a slight negative. It's a low return on equity and a low profit margin compared to some of these other tech companies. It's an unfair comparison, but, you know, you look at like Altium mm. or Technology One, they're 20, 25 percent, uh, whereas, you know, uh, Hanson doesn't have that. Um, and it's actually down about 5% since we last covered it. So certainly, as um, Adam mm. was saying, the market's not really embracing it at the moment. But well, I'm with Adam, sort of sub $3, I think your margin of safety is there and I'd be happily accumulating moves. Okay. All right, Stephen. Uh, a tick there at this price for Hanson Technologies from both Adam and Andrew. 
Um, our fourth stock is a travel stock again. This one suggested by uh, by Malcolm. Singlink Travel for uh, South Australians. This is the car ferry across to Kangaroo Island, but it's a whole lot more than that. Uh, owns Captain Cook Cruises and um, has an interest in some accommodation brands as well. So it's more a fully rounded uh, travel business, Andrew, isn't it, than, than just the, uh, the iconic ferries across to, uh, to Kangaroo Island? Yeah, 85% of their revenues come from government contracts, long-dated government contracts. Uh, most of the revenue comes from Queensland, naturally. Um, so um, That's four that's times, <laughs> Andrew, four times. Where's the yeah. base, though? Yeah. It's based in Adelaide, though, is it? Uh, no, as in, sorry, I'm not sure where it's, but I can't remember where it's based, but from right. its source of revenue, yes. uh, Queensland government gives them about 70, it was my notes here, 77 million out of the 250 million comes from um, Queensland based Fraser sources, Island. and 85% of that is from the government. So Because they, um, they have those barges and ferries to, um, as Adam was saying, Fraser Island and so, some yep. of the uh, the islands offshore, mm -hmm. don't they? Townsville as well. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah there's, there's certainly, um, as you're saying, that's sort of their bread and butter, that transportation business, obviously caught up in tourism as well. Um, PE of 24 times relative to their peers at 18 times appears a little rich. But again, you know, if 85% of your revenue is actually sort of basically government backed, that does yeah. give you a fair degree of comfort. Recently admitted to the ASX S&P 300. So there's been some index support buying there. It's tr uh, trading slightly below consensus. I mean, I would, would love to have bought it back in March 23rd when it went down to about $2.80. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, it's probably not one that I'd be racing out to buy, but on any weakness, it's arguably it's nearly a defensive yeah. business because of that underlying revenue yeah. stream. And Adam, you yeah. know, even though it's got travel in its name, yes, not really travel, it's more a transport business, yeah. almost an infrastructure type business, yeah. is it? And I agree with Andrew, that defensiveness nature of its transit system that it has yeah. underpins a lot of its growth or potential uh, to have more growth. What they really need to do for growth is then adding more services uh, into various areas. And I don't yeah. see that happening, uh, especially because they do uh, move around Singapore as well as uh, they've got some um, uh, London uh, services as well that moving. They've got uh, over 60 sort of boats or ships, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Well. It's so a big fleet. It is a big fleet. So um, the growth is getting going to come for adding more of these things on. JobKeeper here in Australia, obviously helping them a lot, yeah. but we don't know what's happening in London and in Singapore for something like a JobKeeper. I don't know what's going on there. Right. So yeah. I'd be a little bit cautious about C-Link, especially at these levels uh, for that, um, that how those contractual payments are going to happen. So that Australia, we feel comfortable with. It's yeah. just sort of Singapore and, and, in, and, and in London, I'm not too sure about. So I'll be uneasy. I would probably say, uh, it's a hold for me if if you hold it. Yep. That's a, but I wouldn't be buying it at these levels. Right. Okay. All right, Malcolm. There you go. That's a, a really good opinion on uh, on Sealink, which is um, uh, travelling pretty well, mm. apart from its travel side. Let's go the other extreme of a corporate <laughs> that may not be travelling uh, as well. Freedom Foods. Freedom Foods has actually come up a couple of times um, on the call um, as a. Uh, uh, as a, a diversified food company in that health and wellness, they own um, brands like So Natural, Australia's Own, that sort of thing, um, into uh, plant and dairy-based beverages, that nutritional side. They're in Australia, New Zealand, China, Southeast Asia, North America. 
Um, so on the surface, um, a pretty good operating business, but have really got no corporate mess over the uh, over the last week or two. Adam, haven't they? Or last couple they of weeks? They sure have. And uh, Andrew can probably talk to the director and sort of what's happening there. But basically, there are. Uh, I think it's the CEO uh, or, or, or basically the head uh, has yeah. now sort of stepped down. Stepped down reasonably suddenly too. Wasn't very it? much so. And basically around this, that Freedom Foods actually made an announcement today or a bit of a corporate update on what's going on. And we don't usually like getting involved in stocks that potentially uh, that is, is rudderless at the yeah. moment. So I'd be really cautious. They did come out and say that they've revised additional write-downs of $35 million, bringing the aggregate inventory write-downs for, for 2020, full year 2020 to be approximately around $60 million. Right. So that's a big write-off uh, right. that they're now sort of having to go through. So it looks like, and this sort of reminds me of Retail Food Group, you know, sort of that sort of decent conglomerate but now struggling. So and was a market darling and now is really struggling. And they and they UBS raised, I think it was 180 million they raised for them a couple of months ago as well. So yeah, it, it, it sort of it doesn't fill me with confidence. You can't buy this or sell this. This is basically in administration, not administration. It's in voluntary suspension at yep, the moment. Yep, yep. So even, yep. even if we say buy, hold, or sell, you can't really do anything with yep. it at the moment. I probably think that when this thing does come out, and it's got to come out that the MD. Uh, has has left and it's been sudden, so we need to be really careful of why the reasons yep. are, because basically they can. And see... that wasn't in today's announcement. Uh, in in today, no, it wasn't. This was right. a corporate update. Right. But in the actual, if you read further through the actual update, they did say that they're not going to talk about the MD leaving, and they didn't want any questions. However, then all the questions that were asked after that were about <laughs> right. why is the you know so. Um, so it's really natural. Absolutely, you've got to address it at some time, and it will be addressed, I suspect. But I think yeah. it's 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 a bit sensitive at the moment. I think this one's going to stay in suspension for a while until all of this stuff gets worked out, which is going to fuel the uncertainty of the market when this does come on. So I suspect that it potentially, if they don't come out with a, a an announcement, basically subsiding all of these issues and just looking at the write down of sixty million dollars, this thing's going to get absolutely smacked when it starts opening, right. opening up. Potentially there might be a trade, you know, yeah. for those people who are quick and sort of in and out in a couple of days. But I'd leave this one alone at the moment. Too okay. much uncertainty for me. All right. Andrew? Yeah, I think Adam's nailed it. I, I would call it uninvestable in the short to medium term. I mean, you know, from a trade, absolutely. Because you know, there'll be people who are just looking at this going all too hard and just dumping it. And, you know, if it gets really hammered, uh, that might be your opportunity. But I, I would really caution that, you know, you don't want to be doing that because um, if you get stuck with it, with what we're potentially uh, looking at, it's not looking good. Uh, and what I mean by that is you had the CFO leave one day, uh, as in leave the business. You now have the CEO on leave. Um, you've got the chair being pretty cagey as to what's going on. Um Lots of negative press, um, yeah, lo lots of reasons not to be uh, investing in this one. You know, grab your popcorn, sit back and just watch it all happen. <laughs> Is it a good business though, Andrew? I don't think so. Um, right. I think that there's too many moving parts and I think we're actually now seeing that to be the case. I mean, they're the largest manufacturer of almond milk in the country. So, right. you know, like they do have something, not that I drink almond milk and not that there's anything wrong with almond milk, but, you know, like they do have key specialities 
But at the end of the day, I just think there's too many moving parts, as you were just talking about before, all the different things that they're involved in. It's just it's just got a way on them. And, you know, if you want to go back to Adam, help me, he was at 2013. They had like 115 million shares in yes. A2 milk at like 80 cents. Yes. And just, I mean, you look at, I think it was in the Fin Review today, the cost or the opportunity cost of that failed takeover is something like $2.1 billion. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah, look, I'm, I'm out, and, sorry. And, and Andrew, uh, when a company goes through something like this, and even if they, they do come out and um, get a new chief executive and explain everything away, does that impact the way you see this business for, you know, a year or two or longer to come that you, it sort of destroys your confidence in it? They've got to really work hard to... Uh, particularly the board, to build the confidence back up of the investment community to support them in the future? Yeah, I, I mean, I call it the amber flashing light. You know, it's, you're not you're not a no. Well, I am in this particular case. I can't be any clearer. No. But, yeah. uh, you know, once we get through this, then, yeah, sure. I mean, and then that's really, to me where it comes down to, as you just said before, it's the board. It's also management. I mean, if we take our, take our minds way back to BHP, um, you know, and when BHP had that bad trot and then sort of bringing in new management, new board, and it takes two or three years. And, you know, I'm not suggesting this with Freedom Foods, but we've seen this in the past where skeletons get brought out of the closet for the next six to 12 months while there's that sort of clean out. So, uh, yeah, certainly um, very, very cautious in these types of situations. Adam's right. There could be a short term trade there, but as an investment, yeah. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Is it the same for you, Adam? I'm sure that you that all of that, because it could be all a governance issue on the yeah. board, isn't it, yeah, going forward, which could, you, know, you wonder about it for years to come. So generally, the, the corporates will follow a sort of a, a, a strategy or, or a piece that will basically, we've seen the CFO and the CEO basically moved on, um, or on leave at the moment. Um, from there, they'll get a new board that will come in. Yeah. Then from there, we've already seen one downgrade. We'll probably see another downgrade as the new CEO gets his teeth into the business. And as Andrew said, the skeletons of the closet come out. They'll change their name and probably do a recapitalization as well. Okay. Right. From there, it's probably then a buy because right. um, new name, investors will probably forget about you know the old Freedom <laughs> Foods. It's now called... Yeah whatever food something or other yeah. and it, the new press will start to move on and everybody will start to forget about it so there'll be a while in the future is yeah, absolutely for all that to play out. absolutely because at the moment you've got looks like infighting inside of the board yeah. and obviously if the ceo and the cfo have left they can see what's going to be happening six months to 12 months to two years out from this business they, yeah. they can see that potentially there's been some issues uh, and then the new management will come in clean the skeletons out uh, change name, maybe do a recap at a lower, a, a lot lower price. So yeah. it takes a lot of shares off, redo the adjustment, package it back up to the market and then right. potentially move forward. Okay. So yeah, it's a, it's a long road and it's a scary one at the moment. Yeah. And well, our fit stock, Andrew, um, I'm not that I, I can't say I love this as an investment because I'm not qualified to give it. But I just love the story of this business. Uh, Ordinate is our sixth stock, and Clivus has uh, asked for this. This is a, um, it has an audio platform that is built into um, video streaming. So basically, all of your devices. 
can get the sound from video and it's almost become a a, a global benchmark in, in that sort of industry. A little Aussie business or a big Aussie business that's taken on the world with great technology. It's quite inspiring, is it? It is, um, but it's also, you know, a, as you said, it's a growth company and is priced accordingly. Uh, the yep. PE is 3,200. Hang on, just repeat um, that. You don't look at PE. What's the PE? <laughs> 3,200. 3,200, yes, okay. and I heard Adam say you don't look at the don't PE, look at you look at multiples of <laughs> yes, EBITDA. exactly, come on. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you're looking for a growth company, I think we've found it. Yeah. Um, return on equity of uh, less than 1%, less than 1% profit margin. Uh, my favourite one, though, Koshi, and I know it sounds like you like the company, so we may be ending oh, the no, 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 I can't give an opinion. I'm not quite, I like the story of... The, because uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like Australian innovation. Everyone goes, oh, there's no innovation in Australia. Well, there, there is, and world-leading technology. Whether it's a good investment is not my my sort of forte. That's up to you. That's up to us. <laughs> well, I mean, I look at the CEO, and he uh, owns $4,000 worth of shares, and yet has paid 469000 a year. Right. And I think to myself... Yeah, surely you could have a little bit more skin in the game, like we were talking about before. So uh, not doubting the technology at all. And if you look at the share price that we just saw there before, the chart has been all over the show. I think it tapped out at $9 from memory. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it certainly is one that on another sort of meltdown, you might sort of have a bit of a think about. But from my point of view, it's, it's a bit yep. too exciting. I think there's other technology ones that I'd much prefer to buy. Okay, Adam? I really like this story. I think right. it's a buy. It's a high risk play, definitely high risk play. Uh, we, we, we've been with this company and been researching this company for, well, it's probably more than uh, a couple of years now. So we were on it at sort of $2. We wrote it up to $9. I did a lot of selling just as, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's nice to see, but $8 we got most of our clients out of because we had an inline to the company that basically we were talking about. And when and when January, when COVID was really starting to hit in China, Apple was starting to close down their stores. We looked through all of our technology businesses that sourced a lot of uh, their components yeah. from China. So either Resmes of the world, uh, Ordinate, and they basically sourced a lot of the, in fact, 100% of the components from China. Right. And that made me obviously scared that if China was shutting down at that time, which it did, yeah. then those components weren't going to be made. And Apple was even saying, well, products are going to be delayed two to three months because we can't get the parts mm. to yeah. make that. So we were out of this stock at around $8. However, I did not venture back in again. I still feel that there is some stuff that they need to work out. Their Dante technology is absolutely amazing yeah. and it does, it works on everything. So basically audio cables, uh, audio and not digital. And so they're basically ripping out all the audio cables and putting digital cables yeah. in there. And that's their technology on a wider business as well that, you know, from uh, train station platforms to um, uh, stadiums, all yeah. of these it's kinds of, of things. It, it's it's yeah. amazing that they're yeah. moving that into the digital era as such. So I think this one has got a robust pipeline of strong growth. So we need to be careful uh, about that Chinese story. Now, if yeah. China's starting to shut down a little bit again, I think you might be able to get into this at a cheaper price. It is very high risk. Uh, Yamaha owns 9% of this stock. Australian Super owns 5% of this stock. So yeah. it is quite well followed by the institutional market. So right. um, I think that's probably a tick. 
potential yep. when the instos want to get out though then that's when we uh, we have some issues but i think um they've got 31 million dollars in cash in the bank no debt i like their business i like the technology i think it's a buy however it's high risk right yeah and i think you could probably get a different entry point but for me uh yeah I, I, yeah it's a buy so for you um it's a it's a it's a bit too uh uh, what do you say, Andrew? A bit too sexy for you, but Adam, is this a a stock where you know you might dribble a bit in now, Absolutely. and then if the share price gets weaker, yeah. you start to you keep nibbling away. Oh, Absolutely, right. okay. or even then you buy some now at market, and if it starts to move higher, you buy some more because right. you know. So it's all about supply chain issue for me. So yeah. that Chinese thing, if if that supply chain, if they can keep us happy with that uh, supply chain and not being a problem yep. it's it's yeah it's a buy all day long so i'm really comfortable uh with it and you know to have someone like a yamaha on there um even australian super there across the market but uh, yamaha is a really big uh mm. tick in right. in the yeah, box for me thumbs up to yeah. have them in the corner all yeah. right there you go clivus uh ordinate for uh, a really good analysis there from both uh, andrew and adam our seventh stock comes from max thank you for that max uh, ready tech holdings um andrew it's a it's a, a people management hr software particularly in that education uh, market there are a couple of those listed on the share market aren't they a couple of different companies in this sector there is and both of the areas that you just covered on aren't exactly covid friendly you know mm. hr or education so they've got absolute massive headwinds it's only been listed for about the last 12 months i think it floated at about a yes. dollar 50 odd um the chair owns about 25 percent. so as we've said that's a good but not so good um and it's also recently been sort of added to the uh, to the all lords so again from that institutional buying point of view uh, the two brokers who follow it, which I'm guessing is Macquarie and Wilson's because they floated it, yep. uh, love it. I think it's about $2.40 versus the uh, the current share price. But, um, yeah, I guess the key thing that would concern me is just simply the fact that they're in the wrong sectors at the moment. The, the actual business looks quite interesting. But, you know, if you're not getting a whole heap of new students coming through, in particular that um, international space, then that could potentially slow them down. Now, that could also mean it's a, a buying opportunity, you know, where you could be sort of getting in um but i always worry about buying companies below their float price because you've got people who sort of held it for the 12 months and then that dollar 51 will be a difficult price for it to get back over i think in the short term because people don't like losing money and they will be selling into that so it's really got to break that dollar 51 first before i'd buy it mm. okay adam yeah so this business was if we didn't have COVID, I mean, you know, looking back, if we didn't have COVID, this one is a fantastic business because of that reoccurring revenue that they're able to get. Yeah. Some of those, some of the critical education and their HR things, companies need that yeah. business. They need that information. And it's a SaaS system Correct. Too, so it's just reoccurring revenue yeah. that just keeps piling on. And if they get more contracts, then the business can continue yeah. to live. So that reoccurring revenue is fantastic. However, with COVID now, that reoccurring revenue is very much in, uh, in, in danger. Um, look, seven million bucks in the bank at the moment, so there's not a lot of cash there. And depending on, because it is a technology business, uh, you know that they probably don't burn as much as well there. I think you know they need to start to win higher value clients um, from the IPO. They've they've had some good good clients, but they need to get some bigger ones in there in the door to make the share price really start to move forward. And as as Andrew said, Macquarie's got a fairly good decent price target of two dollars on it. So. Um, 
I, I look, I, I'm not. I, I'd say I, I'm a holder of this stock. Right. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy any more. I'd yep. wait for more visibility around how this thing is going to play out with these COVID things. So I'd be okay. cautious on All it right. at the moment. Just sit on the sidelines yeah. with ReadyTech. There you go, Max. Thank you for that. Um, our eighth stock uh, has been suggested by uh, Kishan, uh, Catapult. Um, it's basically is uh, all about the performance data of elite athletes. Uh, putting my AFL hat on, um, most AFL teams use Catapult. Yeah. They do the, the GPSs that are in the back of um, most players' guernseys and, and our high-performance coaches track every player on their um, on their uh, their tablet in real time in a game to find out when they're blowing out, how many kilometres they've run, at what speed, um, and also in training as well. So um, Aussie guys started here, um, floated with a lot of support of these um, high-performance coaches who all have ended up having shares in the business, yeah, I think, yeah, from my information. Yeah, yeah. So again, it's a technology business, but in that elite sport, Adam, Area. What do you think of Catapult? Yeah, it's, it's it's another one that keeps reoccurring. I think it's a little bit of a favourite, and it, yeah. and it has done very very well previously. So you know, you, and then now with this pullback and and COVID, I guess I guess um, that elite sports side of things has been a bit tough. And you can see it had a nice recovery there in March, yeah. but then uh, pulling back and and continuing to pull back. I think they came out uh, with a little bit of a downgrade on some of their earnings. And they basically said that they anticipate the fourth quarter of 2020 to be weaker for Catapult in terms of lower capital sales and revenue as well. So most brokers have now downgraded their price targets and downgraded their earnings. And um, that for me, obviously, if you are in that downgrade cycle, you need to be cautious. So there's got to be a level of support potentially where the stock might hit. Yeah. Where you feel comfortable about buying into it, because I, I agree that the elite sports and it will con- it'll all kick off one day yeah. next year, sometime this year. A lot of these sports, NRLs already started, AFL, yeah. but it's been a patchy start. Yeah. So when the world starts to get back to normal, this is certainly one that will do very well because sport will come back to yeah. normal as well. I think it's a hold for me at the okay. moment. Andrew Catapult. Uh, yeah, look, it's not a not a bad business. Um, you've got people like uh, Leeds United. Um, you've got the Welsh Rugby Union who uses it. The Egyptian soccer team, they're all users of, uh, of their product. <laughs> and uh, lots of Australian AFL clubs and NRL. And, uh, yeah, so and lots, of, lots of NFL clubs. Yeah. Yeah. I had to throw the Egyptians in there. I thought uh, you'd enjoy yeah, that. So there's over exotic. 500. Yeah, there's, a bit, there's 500 teams that use it. So there's certainly no issues there. But as Adam said, when they came out in March, they said there's a huge COVID impact relating to when will competition start. Yeah. So, uh, and initially it was just training and here in Australia, we seem to be okay, but certainly other parts of the world, not so much. I guess one of the, again, one of my key indicators is what's management and the board doing. Well, the chairman sold 77% of his holding over the last 12 months. Right. And again, Adam and I have discussed previously, yeah, like, why would you be doing that? I mean, there could be lots yeah. of reasons you could be doing it. But from a market observer point of view, um, that's probably not such a good look. Um, and the return has only been about 2% per annum over the last five years. So, again, wow. quality business, facing COVID headwinds, um, yeah. consensus $1.59. I've got no interest at the moment. Yeah. Um, and also, I think the growth... They see the growth for this or the next phase for this business in the non-elite 
yes. athletes, sort of yeah, that, that, that sub-elite before. Yeah. Um, Which is a so, probably a fairly decent growth area for Oh, you. yeah, it's but huge. none of them are playing at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You've got the elite levels up there sort of starting to come back, but no one... Yeah. Not many down here no, at the moment. Right, yeah. So, yeah, all right, good advice. There you go, Kishan. Um, another good Aussie tech company, um, mm. which is great. Um, our ninth uh, stock, uh, Andrew, comes is suggested by Nick, uh, Push Pay Holdings. And again, I do love the story of this as well. It's sort of a, it's an electronic donation platform for churches, isn't it? And if you like, customer relationship who would have thought churches were getting in the digital age customer relationship management platform where churches can keep in contact with their congregation and manage their donations rather than just take the plate around and it's done yeah. pretty well in american churches so out of all the ones we're talking about today this is my favorite this is the one right. i like and i looked at this at two or three dollars and didn't buy it you know stupid me but uh, certainly even looking at it now it's uh, a great business. I mean, you talk about the faith providers, as they put it, um, but, yeah. you know, not-for-profits are using it. Education uh, sector is using it. Arguably, COVID, and it's probably one of the few businesses where COVID has actually been a positive for it. And what I mean by that is there's around 250,000 churches in the US. Uh, average parish has got around 500 people. So if you've got them all in the database and they're all giving um, electronically, um, it certainly actually has accelerated sort of the use of their software. The chair and the CEO own about $24 million worth of this company each. Um, if you have a look at the chart, like we can at the moment, uh, that stock price did not pull back at all in March. You know, plenty of others did. This one did not. Um, look, it's fully priced on a peg ratio. So when you're looking at the earnings per share growth percentage relative to the PE, uh, but... I like it. Consensus is 11.57 versus 8.60-odd where they are at the moment. But, yeah, I do like this business. Okay. The growth is, has been really surprising because once, once, once they get inside, like any digital business, once they get inside the church or get inside of these uh, op properties, opportunities, then it's really hard for them to back out again. Yep. You know, you're using, it's like zero, you know, the accounting software. Once you're yep. using it, you're not going to change. You're yeah, not yeah. going to go anywhere because it is a positive move. Yep. So I'm really annoyed that I didn't get involved yep. in this one. And in fact, I'm really annoyed that I never thought about it because it's such a simple idea oh. that really, and, and is going to take off. By a couple of Kiwis. By a couple of Kiwis. And just like Crowded House of Russell Crowe, it's so successful, we'll claim We'll them, claim so. it out. So it is listed on the New Zealand as well as the Australian yep. Stock Exchange. And I think really at the end of the day, this thing could continue to go and I, and I suspect it will. Yeah. They do talk about the front book and the back book and, the, and, the, and basically there's a couple of different sort of scenarios in there. And COVID really, you would think the church numbers potentially would have gone down. But it doesn't mean that you're still watching your church uh, from Zoom and oh, you yeah. can still use your push yep. pay to donate. Yep. So there's been no real sort of slowdown in, yep. in that, you know, congregations joining and passing yep. that around. You don't need to do that now. So all of these big, large, and they're very huge in the US, these massive uh, televised uh, church, yeah. you know, Hillsong the evangelists. and evangelists yeah. and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Everyone's sitting at home, you know, tapping away and donating to, to their favorite church. So I think it's a buy. Yeah. And, you know, at eight bucks, when we look back at this in a year's time, when it's, you and I are sitting here, it's and quadrupled here, in three months. It'll be $16, and we'll be going, gee, we should have bought some at eight. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I think, I think so I'm you're comfortable. The, you're I, think the same. We, I think we buy it, and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, we just watch it grow. All right. It's, but again, it's, 
little companies like this on the market, um, yeah. they're just, you know, yes, you've got to have the big stocks and things like that, and, and, and that's great, but it just shows you how dynamic the share market can be, isn't it? And a good story as well. Yeah, really great story. You know, you can understand it. It's not. It's not complex. It's a good story. Yeah. And it makes well. Yeah. 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 All right. So uh, Nick, there you go. Sorry, Andrew. And arguably, and arguably, it's a toll bridge, because once they're in, like Adam's saying, they're not going to change from digital back to analog, but they're pretty unlikely to go from push pay to someone else unless there's some huge price incentive. So Yeah. yeah, once once they're in. Yeah, yeah. In. and churches and to actually get in because churches are pretty conservative anyhow mm-hmm. you've got to get through all the council local councils yeah. and uh, church councils I mean um, so to get for them to adopt something like this in the first place is a big step for many of them so yeah but once the bigger like guys go in then the yeah. rest of them will follow so exactly you know. all right our final stock um, is suggested by Gregory Australian Finance Group uh, our biggest uh, mortgage broking group um, and with mortgage brokers right across the country. I think it's based in uh, in WA, uh, getting into insurance products and finan- other financial products as well. Um, what do you reckon of Australian Finance Group, Andrew? I'd be more worried about the macro view. I guess that would be my first take, as yeah. in, you know, what's actually going on with the housing market. Bearing in mind that sort of that home loan um, broking piece is only about 25% of their business. Most of their business is actually from the securitisation piece. So housing outlook to a degree is, you know, what you need to be cons- uh, thinking about with them. Um, sorry, just checking where they are located. Uh, they are in WA. Yep. Uh, look, the PE um, is around 10 times. So relative to their peers at 15 times, it's undemanding. But... Um, I guess I sort of look at the margin. They're only making about a 5% margin and they've got a pretty high dividend payout ratio. And we've seen some of these other financials really pulling back on that. So whether that dividend of 6% is still sustainable. Uh, I do like the fact that the chair's bought around 15% of uh, or increased his holding by about 15% over the last 12 months. So that sends a pretty positive sign. But at the end of the day, I think the key thing for me is seeing where housing housing is going. So even though the numbers appear to stack up, I would call this a hold. Okay. Adam? Yeah, there's a couple of grey areas for me. They do have a uh, shareholder dispute going on at the moment. And I'd I can't remember what it is, but there is a dispute that's going on. And I think that they're looking for uh, a resolution in the courts around September this year. So, uh, again, if you've got court action or you've got these um, uh, for basically if for it to there's uncertainty and uh, and I don't think markets like uncertainty, like we spoke about a couple of other stocks today. So I think that shareholder disputes one. And then there's a um, an acquisition that they're trying to make and the ACCC is having a really close look at it. Right. And that might fall over as well. So again, there's another uncertainty on the stock as well. Right. So I'd be a little bit careful on this one. I, I don't think you need to be there. I think that, as Andrew said, that macro side of things isn't fantastic. Yeah. Um, though real estate agents are, you know, sort of now doing the ring arounds and saying, look, markets are still starting to pick up again. So potentially, you know, you... Know, you <laughs> You never believe a real estate agent, <laughs> well, but anyway. Um, oh, but wow. yeah, so so I think, look, there's a couple of catalysts and if they can get over those hurdles, absolutely. I think yep. it's, it's on, sure. um, but I, I'd be cautious this one. I don't think you need to be there. Yeah, and again, as Andrew was saying, it depends on that, that property market going yeah. forward. Yeah. Like I've just done, seen some figures which have scared me of the uh, apartment market, particularly uh, 
inner city, Sydney and Melbourne, mm. just looks horrendous. Well, they haven't stopped building, have they? They've no. kept going all the way through, no. and we don't have the immigration, which is our yeah. growth uh, exactly. avenue. So one, one in six CBD apartments in Sydney at the moment are vacant. Wow. Um, one in six. And the listings for sale, because when you're a property investor and you're vacant, the negative part of negative gearing becomes a bloody big negative mm. uh, because mm. you've got no rent coming in. And listings are up 45% in four weeks. So that's for Sydney, Sydney. what is Brisbane, which yeah, is yeah, you know, Melbourne, sort of Melbourne, the whole lot. The whole lot, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So be careful on it. Uh, gentlemen, appreciate your time on a Friday. Um, Andrew's um, uh, coming on his sick day from home, so I appreciate that, Andrew. Get well. Thanks, Koshi. Yep. Thanks, Sam. Yep. Get moving, as they say in the in the uh, in the trade. <laughs> and uh, Adam, always great to have you aboard. Have Thank a great you. weekend coming yes. up. Thank you. Uh, just to recap, our final five stocks on the call today: Ordinate, a no from Andrew because it's a bit too sexy, um, but a buy from from Adam, um, a hold on ReadyTech from Adam, a no from Andrew, uh, on Catapult, a no from Andrew, a hold from uh, from Adam, Push Pay. Even though for me it's one of those stocks I get annoyed about because I've just been following it up and uh, haven't done anything. Andrew's advice to me is grow up here and just buy it. Uh, the same from Adam and uh, Australian Finance Group. Uh, a no from both of them to just see how a few corporate things play out internally, a court case and the like, and a few disputes there and also how the housing market is going to go. So that's our top 10 for the day. Um, if you've got 10 stocks that you'd uh, like to suggest on Twitter, I was trolled um, yesterday saying, oh, why do you only talk about CSL and, and Technology One? And I said, well, they're the ones people are suggesting. If you want to suggest some stocks, send them through. Uh, you can do that by emailing the call at ausbiz.com.au or through Twitter using the handle ausbiztv. Coming up...